Hey friends, I have a new ad partner that I think you're going to love because I already love them. And that is Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix sends style so good that you can feel it. They deliver all the confidence that comes with a truly amazing outfit without any of the work. With Stitch Fix, you get a stylist who understands your style, your size, and your budget, and they do all the shopping for you. It's the easiest way to transform your wardrobe. I feel like they just get me. They do get you. They just knew what would look right on me, and I hate taking stuff out. Yes. So it's like Christmas when you open that box, and you're like, how did you know? Exactly. It is Christmas, and I cannot wait till my next one. So go ahead, take the leap, do Stitch Fix, get your own personal stylist, and feel as bougie as we do these days using Stitch Fix, but not for a crazy price because they get your budget. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash naked. That's stitchfix.com slash N-A-K-E-D. Stitchfix.com slash naked. Hello and welcome back to the Naked Marriage Podcast. We are Dave and Ashley Willis. And on this podcast, we address the truth about sex, intimacy, and lifelong love. And you guys, we have one of our very favorites in here in the studio today, and you get to hear from him. It is the legendary, the one and only, the incredible Jimmy Evans. Oh man, Jimmy is a living legend. And he is. I just kind of like gush. And and I want to say he's a living legend from the stage and on TV, but even more so close up. And you can't yeah. say that about a lot of people. No, it's true. Like he he's one of the best teachers of all time, preachers, teachers from up on a stage, just so gifted. But behind the scenes, he, he's even more impressive because he's so real. He's right. just so authentic. And the whole Evans family has been such a gift to us. Of course, they're the founders of this ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, he is a prolific author, pastor, teacher, encourager. And today we're going to have a conversation with him that is a conversation we've never had. Never. With him or on this podcast in general. And it's one of the most uh, important topics I think we've ever talked about, which is what should the Christian's approach be to alcohol and what should alcohol consumption within marriage look like? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it allowed? Is it not? How much is too much? What do you do if one spouse develops a problem with it? And today's conversation, I think... And what Jimmy brings is is one of the most balanced and biblical approaches to alcohol that, that I've ever heard taught. And so you guys are really going to enjoy this. Let's dive into today's episode. Well, as we said in the intro, guys, we have a living legend here with us and, and uh, a man who's impacted our lives as much as anybody on earth has. And so we're so honored to have this conversation and a really important topic. And we get this Very question important. a lot and it's about drinking in marriage and there's there's a lot of um a lot to cover here people ask can christians do it at all Mm -hmm. and if so how much is too much and what if one spouse is kind of developing a problem how does the other spouse respond and and just what should our overall response to it be and we've got um we're gonna have a great conversation but first off jimmy Evans, welcome. Yes, welcome. I get to be on David and Ashley's podcast. Have y'all ever had me? Have I been here before? Yeah, you, you have. Once before, we, okay. I think. We, we interviewed you for the Four Laws of Love the book, which is love. one of the best marriage books That's ever right. written. And it That's was so one good. of the most popular episodes we've ever had. Very popular. Right? Okay. Well, this yes. is going to be a popular one, too. I can <laughs> yes. That. Yeah. It's a big subject. It's a, it really is. I'm so happy to, to talk about this because, like you guys, I've just seen so much uh, marital uh you know, hurt mm-hmm. over the issue of drinking, and some very needlessly. Sure, exactly. And we, yeah. we had a situation to where there was a couple 
and the wife was she grew up very uh, I would say religious mm -hmm. not necessarily spiritual but religious and her family was they were teetotalers and totally against drinking and mm -hmm. she had a wonderful husband just a great guy and uh, she found out that when he traveled uh, in his business that he drank wine with his dinner she divorced him Wow. Oh, my goodness. No conversation. I mean, she got furious, and she said, you're a sinner, and I'm not going to have a sinner in my house. And she, boy, she, you know, and I, and I looked at that, and I just thought, how, you know, it's just awful. That's yeah, so to, just heartbreaking. Well, it's, it's an extreme belief, and if right. a person has a conviction not to drink, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's an extreme belief, but in, in that case, to believe that, well, one pastor teaches that if you drink, you're literally drinking demons into your body. Your, oh, wow. your alcohol yeah. has demons in it and you're drinking demons <laughs> into your body wow well you I, get that picture in your head yeah and, oh, and then goodness. your spouse is over there having a beer and it's like right. you're you're, you're demonic you're, yeah you're, you got you got you got demons <laughs> in you can you. see where you get that mindset sure yeah. so anyway i'm i'm happy to be here yeah. I, I am too and th this this issue and we've we've kind of like been in settings where we've seen the, the full spectrum for mm -hmm. you know folks where there's like very little limit i've got, I've got plenty of, of relatives who are bourbon connoisseurs which back We're in kentucky, kentucky is a polite way of saying when someone's an alcoholic they're a connoisseur <laughs> right <laughs> it's a little too much uh and we've, we've been in settings where folks have that very hardline legalistic approach where you know if you take a drink you know you're it's it's just the end and mm -hmm. but what does the bible really really say and, you know and, and you know as for us like just full disclosure you know we we kind of take an approach or we look at jesus having made real wine we look yeah. at kind of the whole totality of scripture and I can't see anything in Scripture that absolutely forbids drinking. Now, certainly the Bible talks about drunkenness That's being right. very dangerous and wrong, but just enjoying alcohol in, in moderation, and there's a, there's a lot of nuance to what moderation means, um, don't see anything in Scripture against that. And that's something that, you know, full disclosure, Ashley and I did. We were out at a birthday dinner last night, you know, having, having, having a little some wine. drinks. And, yeah. and it was everybody there loved Jesus, and, and nobody was out of control in any way, and it was a lovely evening. But I know for some, the, just the thought of that is something that would get get them all flustered and say, well, I'm going to have to stop listening to this podcast now because exactly. you guys are sinners. Right. Well, the Karen and I grew up, uh, my parents were not Christians. Karen's weren't either. Now, they would say they were, but they weren't. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom and dad drank socially every now and then. My dad would have a beer every now and then. Never saw him drunk, never mm -hmm. saw him abusing alcohol. Karen's parents had wine probably every evening with their meal and drank socially some. Never saw him drunk, never learned. So we got married, and when we got married, we were married at 19 years old, and you know, we'd have wine or beer, you know, just have a drink every now and then, you know, and didn't think anything about it. So we went to church one day, and, and the message was drinking was a sin. Mm -hmm. Now, I came from a family of poker players. My mom and dad played poker two or three nights a week in our home. Mm -hmm. They had a group of friends that came over to play poker. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother loved poker. And we played welfare poker where you pay for $5. You just put $5 in, you can only lose $5. Yeah. So they also preached that gambling was a sin. And playing, and playing all my favorite activities like, are and playing cards was a sin. Well, I just saw all my family burning in the recesses <laughs> of hell. My grandmother is so. Uh, the context. So, drinking is a sin. This is Psalm 104. Uh, he causes, God causes grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread which strengthens the man's heart. Amen. So, this is a scripture here that says God made wine. Right. Okay. 
to make our heart glad. It makes your heart glad. Mm-hmm. If you do it properly in moderation, it's it's you know it makes your heart glad. It's just it's like you're eating a meal, or whatever. Just you know, it's just yeah. kind of add something to it. Doesn't mean you have to have uh, alcohol sure. with it, but just if if you drink it in moderation. And so joy is why God made it. And so uh, Jesus produced wine. It was his first miracle in wow. John chapter two, the wedding of Canaan of Galilee. It was real wine. Some people say it was grape juice. It is gross to sit around drinking grape juice. Yeah, it is. It is. It's absolutely <laughs> gross. And, and if, if it's grape juice, why are there prohibitions in the Bible about being drunk? Exactly. You, know, you drink right. all you want. Yes. You know, just till you get. And sick. having been to, been to Israel, as I know you have as well, where they've had unbroken traditions for thousands of years, and their wedding traditions have, have remained intact. Right. Nobody there thinks it's grape juice. It is, exactly, it is real exactly. wine They appreciate wine. Yeah. Well, this is what yeah. Jesus said. This is Matthew 11. John, John the Baptist, came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by our children. Yeah. So what he's saying here, you can't win. Mm-hmm. So right. John came and he was in the wilderness, you know, and he was, you know, eating locusts and wild honey and water. And, and he said, Jesus, said, look at John. You know, that guy was didn't do anything. And they said he had a demon. Right. And I come sitting down, not being a glutton or a drunkard, mm-hmm. but just eating and drinking like a normal person does. And they call me a, a glutton and a wine bibber. Mm-hmm. So they're criticizing Jesus drank. Why would you criticize somebody for drinking grape juice? You don't call somebody, yeah. you know, yeah. well, Jesus likes a lot of grape juice. So, you know, I mean, you, you, can't, you cannot OD on grape juice. Okay? Right. So, right. So it is alcohol. It has alcohol in it. If you drink too much of it, it can make you drunk and do all that kinds of crazy things. But Jesus came and he he drank wine. He made it and drank it. He drank it with his disciples at the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I believe that there is no prohibition in the Bible against drinking. Okay? Right. And alcohol really, it comes in different forms, but alcohol is alcohol. One of the bad things about drugs, you look at marijuana or ecstasy or you know all the dangerous drugs that are out there, fentanyl, yeah. that are out there today. Uh, drugs comes in many different forms. You smoke it, you shoot it, you snort it, you eat it, and all those kinds of things. And it comes all the way from marijuana to heroin. Right, sure. And so you know, it's a very dangerous, but alcohol is alcohol. Mm-hmm. There's Everclear, which is the strongest form of alcohol. You don't want to drink much of that, but you have to consume it, and it's noticeable. Okay, breathalyzer will show, but your behavior will show. You can't mm-hmm. drink much of that. So alcohol, uh, the way that Karen and I have always practiced it is, we just we just don't see anything wrong with it, mm-hmm. as long as you don't abuse it. Sure. Okay? Yeah. And we never saw that, and we've never done that. Now in high school, I got drunk some, but I didn't enjoy it. I mean, when I drank in high school, it, it took a lot of it took a lot of willpower to get drunk because I didn't enjoy. <laughs> right? It. Yeah, you got to hold your nose and just. Uh, <laughs> it yeah. took a lot of willpower, <laughs> but you but stuck with it, and <laughs> I stuck with it. Yeah. So I've, I've had some of those uh, unfortunate, unfortunate past, youthful mistakes. So <laughs> let me let me talk about just a few things the Bible says that are wrong. Uh, the things you have to be careful of. One is excess. This is Isaiah five. What are those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink? who continue until midnight till wine inflames him. Well, there are some people that should never drink. Yeah, I know people that they just simply can't drink one drink. Right. If they drink one, they're gonna drink 50. Okay. And so, um, and you should never use alcohol to medicate. Sure, yeah. So let's talk just a minute about uh, addiction. Okay, so in addiction, the issue is never the issue. If you're a sex addict, sex is not your issue. Right, right. If you're a foodaholic, food's not your issue. If you're an alcoholic, uh, alcohol is not your issue. 
And so in AA, uh, when you go to AA, they the first I think it's the first tenet of, F, of AA is fess up, and they say denial is not a river in Egypt. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so alcoholics are hurting. Yes. There's something now. If you give a healthy person a substance, they might misuse it. They might even abuse it, but they're not going to get addicted to it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to. You don't need that. But when you have a hurting person, an unhealthy person, and they're grieving over some issue in their life, abuse, could be sexual yes. abuse, could be abortion, it could be mm-hmm. some, something, and they're using that alcohol to medicate, they, they, they keep pouring that alcohol in there trying to keep the pain from you know becoming acute and of course they wake up and it's back and they're right back where they were sure. yeah. but but the issue is this alcohol is not their issue you you can scream out about alcohol all day long and that won't help them at all what helps them is getting to the root of the issue and dealing with their pain yes. but but for all of us you know we could have a bad day or whatever and you know try to drown your sorrows well the the problem is is that and i'm going to talk about this in just a morning it in just a minute when you go to the lord with your pain he'll heal your pain Yes. Jesus said in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, I do not agree with that statement, by the way. I know a lot of people who mourn, they're not comforted. Yeah. There are people mourning all over the world right now not being comforted. But, but here's the fuller statement. Blessed are those who bring their pain to me. I'll heal it. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Okay. And so when you bring your pain to Jesus, pain is the, Jesus is the only place that we can take pain to be healed. Right. Nothing else will heal it. You can numb it. I'm talking about emotional pain. Sure. Is that Jesus is the only one who can heal. So alcohol, when you look at excess, you're typically looking at people trying to medicate their pain. And there's a lot of people today oh, yeah. that are hurting and trying to medicate their pain. So in marriage, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. And if you see your spouse doing that, you've got to talk to them about it. You try to try to get them help right. uh, in that. Another one is our witness. And some people, some people are very against drinking. And Romans 14 says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which make one, what, or edify one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. And these indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Now, what Paul is saying here in Romans 14 is the people who don't drink are weaker in their conscience. They're not stronger. Now, we have a lot of friends who don't drink. Mm-hmm. And if we're out eating or something like that, they'll say, hey, you got to get wine. We don't care. You know, it's yeah. not great. But if there's a person that I know is offended, you know, I'm eating a dinner, I'm eating a meal, or I'm out somewhere, and I know they're offended, I wouldn't do it in right. front of them. You know, I know they're offended. Uh, but but that's, that is something I know you're going to be offended. But in our culture today, there is no taboo against drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there was maybe 40 years ago. Sure. Or during Prohibition or something. Mm-hmm. And so I think generally, if you're discreet, you know, unless you're getting drunk or, you know, on top of the bar or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that it, you know, I think it's fine to drink. But if you know that someone is offended, the Bible says, you know, be careful for that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the I've already mentioned this a little bit, but um, using alcohol as a substitute for the Holy Spirit. This is Ephesians 5. Do not be drunk with wine in which there is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so don't be drunk with wine, yeah. but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, again, this is talking about excess. Right. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, they said these people are, these people are drunk. Mm-hmm. 
And, and Peter, Peter's like, no, it's, he, he didn't say, no, we don't drink, we're Christians. He said, it's only 9 a.m. What is that? Like, we don't even start that early. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> 10 maybe, not 9. Yeah. But he's, that's exactly right. And yeah. so the point being, they were under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and they were so joyful right. and peaceful, people thought they were drunk. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And so the joy and peace, people today are trying to drink their way to peace. Yep. Mm, yeah. Or take their drugs, take drugs to peace, or, or whatever substance they're using. We don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want, I do enjoy drinking. I think mm -hmm. it's joyful if you do it correctly. Uh, it's, but I already have peace. Yes. Yeah. As, exactly. a, as a believer, I have peace before I start drinking. Exactly. And so when I wake up in the morning and uh, I pray every morning, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Mm -hmm. I need you today. And I need you to anoint my emotions and anoint my body to be able to do what I need to do today. Right. And it's amazing when you're full, Galatians 5 there talks about the fruit of the spirit. It also talks about the deeds of the flesh. And it says there's the flesh and the spirit. You can only operate in one or the other. Right. And if you're in the flesh, you're not in the spirit. If you're in the spirit, you're not in the flesh. But the deeds of the flesh are drunkenness, mm -hmm. revelries, outbursts of anger, dissensions, all those kinds of things. And so if I don't rely on the Holy Spirit, my flesh takes over and my flesh wants to medicate yeah sure right. and my flesh wants to uh to um uh, make a false peace mm -hmm. try to find some way to import peace into me other than the holy spirit right. uh and so i just think it's very critical as believers that we're moderate in our drinking mm -hmm. and if if we're drinking too much uh that we ask ourselves the question what is it that i'm trying to accomplish yeah. Yeah, that's good. Is there some kind of pain I'm trying to deal with? Right. Is, is, I'm, you know. One goal we've had as a family lately is to try to just eat healthier. And junk is sometimes more convenient. And we're eating unhealthy, not because we want to, but it's just because it's what's easy to grab. But then came along Thrive. That's right. Thrive Market is helping us in really simple, practical ways. And as a Thrive Market member, we save money on every single grocery order. On average, we save over 30% each time, which I mean, I don't know about you, but I love saving money. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of our favorite brands, which right now we are loving the Hum brand, Zero Sugar Kombucha. And so check those out. Go to Thrive Market, join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash naked for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash N-A-K-E-D, thrivemarket.com slash naked. I love learning. I know that sounds nerdy and dorky, but I just love learning. I love understanding history and how things fit together and what's happening in the world. But if you're like me, you're busy and it's hard to learn. It can be expensive to learn. Maybe you want to keep learning and growing. You're like, I don't know how to fit that into my schedule. I got the perfect solution for you. And it's Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College is a world-class accredited university that's offering some of their core courses for free. I mean, absolutely free. They're just wanting to spread knowledge here. I'm telling you, it sounds too good to be true, but it really is true. They're making it possible for you to learn about world economics and things like ancient Christianity, which I highly recommend. It's an 11 lecture course where you study the inspiring stories of Christ and his apostles 
and the faithful ones throughout the first centuries of Christianity, plus learning the, the basics of Christian apologetics. And guys, you can do this for free. I'm so excited about what Hillsdale does. I love their commitment to faith and values, and you can take part in this by going to hillsdale.edu slash naked to enroll at no cost. And it's easy to get started. It's H-I-L-L-S-D-A-L-E dot E-D-U slash N-A-K-E-D to register. That's hillsdale.edu slash naked. And that brings up That's huge. a re- really great point for those who, who are in line with all of this. And they're like, yeah, you know, I enjoy, enjoy drinking socially. I enjoy having some. But um, how do we, what are those red flags we should look at in our own lives if we feel like maybe it has crossed the line from something healthy and, and enjoying a gift in moderation to leaning on it as a crutch or medicating with it? Or if it's not in us, what are those red flags to look for in a spouse? Yes. Yeah. Where we feel like maybe our spouse is having too much or leaning on it in a way that's unhealthy. And how do we, how do we lovingly and cautiously intervene there uh, and say, you know, I, I'm noticing some things that feel like maybe it's crossed the line into something that's unhealthy. Where, what does that, that line look like? Yeah. Well, let me go back just to our, our concept of drinking. Um, you have license and legalism. Mm-hmm. On one hand over here, you have just drink it, drink it till you're drunk, until you pass out. Pass out, wake up, do it again. And over here, you have drinking is evil. So if you're married to someone who has more of a legalistic perspective, they're going to be cautioning you sooner. It's like the guy I talked yes. about. Oh yeah, right. That his wife, you drink, you drank when you're on the road. You get yeah. out of here. You're a sinner, or you're drinking demons into your body. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you do anything, they're going to be, you know, you're you're drinking too much. Sure. Well, so that's that's an extreme. Then you have the licentious over here. They're going to let you drink too much probably anyway, until you get to So a reasonable person is going to say, I see you drinking till you're drunk. Mm-hmm. It's not your drinking that bothers me. Right. It's the fact that you're drinking too much. Right. Yeah. And, and you're drinking sometimes for too long. Mm-hmm. You know, you're starting early and you're going late mm-hmm. and you're, you're very dependent upon this. Okay. Right. So to me, the issue is not drinking, it's drunkenness yeah. mm-hmm. and, and dependency. Okay. Right. And so it, I'm, I enjoy alcohol. I don't want to be dependent on alcohol. Absolutely. I don't want to have to have it. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So when you see your spouse drinking a long time, I'm talking about starting at noon or nine or whatever, right. and they're drinking yeah. all day long, always have a beer in their hand, always have a glass of wine in their hand or whatever. Right. Uh, and they're they're loopy. They're you can tell they're they're buzzed or drunk. Mm-hmm. You talk to them, typically they'll be very defensive. Mm-hmm. And um and, and by alcoholics are always defensive like that. That's when you have an intervention. Now, again, if you feel like it's gotten to that point, right. that you have an intervention, uh, uh, alcohol is very bad for sex, uh, and so if a person drinks too much, a lot of times they they don't want to have sex, right. or if they do have sex, they're just not into it, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's another manifestation of how it's affecting your marriage in a bad way. Also, maybe they're snapping at the kids, yeah. maybe you know they're just they're just checked out. I, I think that um, going to get help. If they'll go get help, if not, you have an intervention. Mm-hmm. And in the intervention, you try to force them. You just have loved ones come there. and conf- Well, I've done this several times with yeah. uh, loved ones. And uh, where you confront them and just say, you need to go get help. And in most cases, they will. Right. You know, it, but that's tough love. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. just sit, you sit there and watch it and watch them do that year after year. Because it's going to kill them. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, yeah. it'll kill them. But, but I think it's loving. Uh, and the, the line to me, I, I just, if I saw Karen drinking, whatever, I don't care. I mean, mm-hmm. that's her business, you know. 
but if I start drunk uh, in in drinking all day long and that kind of stuff, well, it's just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit back and watch that happen. Mm Because yeah, it's good. out of love. I mean, it's yeah, out of love. Absolutely, it's out of love. And I, I think in, in couples that we've worked with over the years, you know, I think sometimes they just feel like it's easier to just let them do it, you know. Right. But I love how you're, you know, you're really, really, it's not loving to not address it. Because right. if when we love our spouse so much, right. we can't watch them kill themselves, right. you know. That's right. Just like, if we, just like if they were facing mental illness and talking about killing themselves day after day. That's right. I feel like for some alcohol is that numbing i mean essentially they are trying to hurt themselves right, subconsciously right. well they're just checked out check right they're just yeah. trying to just zone out you know to not face the pain and anyone who's grown up with a parent that was alcohol dependent or an alcoholic mm-hmm. they weren't there right you know you lost your parent right yeah it's tragic yeah it is tragic yeah. so i totally agree yeah and i think something unique we've kind of come through as a culture is um the pandemic the drinking levels went way, way up. Oh, right. gosh, like yeah. just, oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, you're you're at home, you're you're kind of it's just such a unique weird set of circumstances. Time. Well, weird it's time. Stressful. Yeah. It's stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all this uncertainty. You're trying to pass the time, you're trying to numb pain. You're there's it, it's you feel this kind of sense of safety, like, well I'm not driving anywhere, there's nowhere to go. Uh, you know <laughs> I'm, I'm in gonna, my pajamas. Yeah, I'm in my I'm pajamas. In my <laughs> yeah. And and I think maybe more so than any period in history, yeah. uh, that two year period that we've kind of recently come out of is a time when when some negative habits were were started right. mm-hmm. and maybe there's some folks listening right now and they're like you know i went from being just kind of like a social drinker to over the period of the pandemic um if i'm honest i got to a place of, of some level of dependency right and now that life's kind of getting back to normal i haven't been able to to shake that i don't right. i don't necessarily feel maybe like my life's totally out of control or i'm totally dependent but i'm i'm drinking more than i know is healthy and and i'm not sure how to yeah. how to break out of that I think a lot of people that habit there. or just sort of like change change that habit up or um, so if those who are listening right now and they feel like they're ju- they're just to that place where it's like my life's not necessarily yeah. out of control I'm not drinking all day but I find myself turning to it too much and it, yeah. I know not just for enjoyment but it's it's for medication it's for um, numbing it's for it's for trying to zone out right um, well, and it's habitual. It's right, and it's, a it's habitual, yeah. right, yeah. Well, and you start earlier, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, because you're at home, you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I, I think baby steps. Mm-hmm. I think it scares people. Cold turkey scares people, and big steps scare people. Yeah. And you say, well, I'm drinking a bottle of wine a day. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, don't drink, don't do that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, but you say, could you drink three quarters? Right. You know? Little yeah. by little. A little bit, just, yeah. just drink a little bit less. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't that way it doesn't scare me because mm-hmm. see I used when I used to smoke you know I was I quit when I was twenty five every time I thought about stopping I smoked more mm-hmm. <laughs> right right yeah, like, I need to I'm say nervous. I, <laughs> I did I, I smoked a pack a day uh-huh. and when I thought about stopping I smoked like a pack and a half <laughs> <laughs> so it was good for me to keep smoking until I stopped but um, when you think about going cold turkey on anything you begin to kind of obsess sure. so I think. Um, in losing weight and stopping drinking or anything, just a little bit. Yeah. Could I just do it without sugar? Could I just do it with less sugar? Could I do this? Right. Yeah, I can do that. And then once I do that, maybe I want to do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And you feel better. And the thing, yes. the thing, if if I eat too much and drink too much, you wake up, you feel terrible. Sure. Yes. And I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. So, just do a little bit at a time. And for example, let's just say that someone's at home and, and during the pandemic, they. They normally would start maybe drinking at five or six, and they started drinking at three or four. Okay, mm-hmm. bump it up. 
can you wait another hour to drink? You know, can you drink just a little bit less? Right. And that way you're not saying no. You're just saying, here's how, here's how to do it. Yeah. Baby and, steps. Yeah. And I think emotionally it's, it's a lot easier for most people to do that kind of thing. That's so wise because I do think that it, it is, they keep on avoiding it because it, if they're like, if it all has to go, I just don't know if I can do that. But yeah. I do think most people could say incrementally one, we one can... glass less or yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I think that that's very doable for people. And so healthy because maybe you're, you're trying, you're just trying to bring it into a healthy place and not this excessive place where it's yeah. been maybe through the pandemic. Right. So. And, and I was doing some research just on kind of like, at what point is it unhealthy, like medically speaking? Um, what's recommended? What's recommended, and all that, and and the total amount um, was was less than I would have imagined for what they thought was that threshold, medically speaking. If it, it can start, yeah. and it was for men. It wasn't even per day. It was it was per week. Mm-hmm. Um, for men, uh, and you can Google this yourselves. But the most recent data I saw is was uh, fourteen total drinks per week, which comes out to two a day. But then what they counted as a, a drink was probably a smaller portion than you know we would think even at, at a lot of restaurants where they're you know they're pouring and bigger so we have to watch kind of the portions for women it was even less than Way that less it, was, than it that. was like i think hmm. seven drinks per week which wow. is just one drink a day i don't know why there's such a disparity of that it was it was literally half for women than for men i think right. it had something to do with kind of how the the body metabolizes the alcohol and i'm sure that different sizes right people yeah. and things like and that yeah that was a baseline it. you know yeah. you're might be different based on your unique metabolism and size and all those things, but to just keep in mind of that, because I think it's, it's easy to lose, I think in any part of our lives, you know, we need to kind of just keep track. You know, when our spending gets out of control, we're not keeping track. When our eating gets out of control, we're, we're, we're not keeping right. keeping track. Not and, being mindful. And if our drinking is getting out of control, I think we're, we're, not, we're not counting, you know, we're just, right. we're pouring and not counting. And so, just being mindful and, and measuring, like not only in the drinking, but in all parts of your life, like, am I really keeping an account and measuring of what's coming in, what's going out? Um, and if you will just take an inventory of that, you might be surprised if like, wow, this is more than I realized it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're saying that anything over 14 a week for a man is is unhealthy. And, and if I'm really, really measuring it correctly and adding them up, like, you know, I was I was at 25 and, and that's, you know, that, yeah. that could hurt my health. And, yeah. and so just well, that may be a light bulb moment for somebody, right, right. because again, I just think if you're not even aware, you know, you're like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to damage myself. Like, I think it, it might be a right. And just even being mindful of the alcohol content in what you're drinking, because, mm-hmm. um, not all drinks are created, created right. equal. Like just right. the really read labels, the percentage of alcohol and, and one wine can vary greatly over another. Um, and, and mixed drinks, it can, it can be, wildly varied right. and so you might pour even something beers, that right? even beers you know yeah. like you know I, ipas which i enjoy um tend to have a, a higher alcohol content than most other beers and so you know drinking a couple of those is going to be different in al- alcohol content than drinking a couple of light beers over here and you just have to you just have to be mindful i mm-hmm. think and in all parts of life definitely can we talk about parenting for a minute? Oh, please. Yeah, absolutely, please. yes. So, because I want to talk to people, adults, who had wrong modeling, and then talk about how to train your children related to drinking. Um, there are iniquities and inner vows. Okay, so Deuteronomy 5 says, I'll visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. The word iniquity, it means bent. It's the word avon in Hebrew, it means a bent. Mm-hmm. And so we do what our parents do. That yeah. We are naturally inclined 
if our parents had a bent toward anger, a bent toward substance abuse, a bent toward uh, racism, a bent, mm -hmm. we, we typically have that same bent. And so um, the, uh, if you recognize, you go back in time and recognize my parents were, had substance abuse issues. Well, typically we will also. Mm -hmm. um, and so you go, you forgive your mom and dad and you submit that see the way you how do you go from this to this because mm -hmm. uh, i've never met a person without iniquities all of us sure. have them. sure it, how do you, you forgive your mom and dad for whatever they did wrong and you submit that area to jesus and you say lord i want you to teach me how to deal with substances yes i want you holy spirit heal heal me of anything wrong but mm -hmm. teach me and what happens when we submit that to jesus is that that becomes straight mm -hmm. is that iniquity well then there are inner vows and jesus said don't vow don't make vows to yourself. You, you can't make one hair white or black, and so you're yes, be yes, and you're no, be no. What does that mean? That means when we're in pain, we almost always make vows to ourselves. And I'll never be poor again. I'll never let a, a woman treat me like that again. I'm, I'm never going to be, you know, do, do this and this again. Well, <clears throat> so if my parent was an alcoholic, many times I'll say, I'll never drink when I get old. Yeah. Okay. Well, what, what's the problem? Anytime I make a promise to myself, Jesus is not Lord of that area. Mm -hmm. See, when, when we're hurting, and we, none of us know this, and we all make inner vows, is that when I'm hurting, uh, what I should say is, Lord, I'm hurting. Mm -hmm. And would you, would you heal this hurt and teach me how to deal with it? Well, instead we say, I'm never gonna, you know, no woman's ever, no man's gonna ever treat yeah. me like that, no one's gonna ever hurt me again. All these mm -hmm. kind of, well, anytime, anytime, if I say I'm never gonna be poor again, Jesus is not the Lord of my finances. Mm -hmm. I now have a self-vow. It's our highest loyalty, and it makes you a little crazy and unteachable. Yeah. The craziest areas of your life are the areas where you have an inner vow. Mm -hmm. And when I, was in, when I was growing up, I had uh, two shirts and a pair of pants. And I wore the same pants every day, and I rotated shirts every day. Mm -hmm. Karen said, I thought you wore that shirt because you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I only had two. Yeah. And so I remember, you know, just the humiliating feeling of just thinking, you know, I've got, I'm wearing the same clothes all the time, and all these other people are wearing nice clothes. And I looked at my closet one day, and I said, if I ever have any money, I'm going to buy clothes. Mm -hmm. You fast, fast forward about 20 years. Karen and I having a fight. And she said, Jimmy, you buy too many clothes. Mm. And I said, Karen, I do not buy too many clothes, but our closets are small. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> we were having a big fight, but our closets are small. And one day I realized I woke up, but I didn't know about it in her vows at that point. And one day I real I woke up and kind of realized I have a wrong relationship with clothes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it goes back to, to, to yeah. that. Yeah. So if you realize someone who's watching right now or listening and you realize my parents were alcoholics, Yeah, you know, and, and I realize in that pain, I made this inner vow. Well, what happens now? You're rigid. Mm -hmm. You're legalistic. You know, you're not going to drink and you teach your children you're not going to drink mm -hmm. and like that. Well, when you teach your children not to do something, guess what they're going to do? Go do it. <laughs> in an unhealthy way. Yeah. Right. You know, right. it's in the forbidden zone. So how should parents teach their children related to drinking? We don't teach our children not to drink. We teach them how to drink. Mm -hmm. If you're, we don't, they don't have to drink. But if you're going to drink, you're do, it. Responsible. do it in front of yeah. us. You know, mm -hmm. when you get to a certain age, you know, if you want to order a drink, order a drink. Don't drink too much. We have no alcoholism in our family, and no one has a problem with alcohol. Yeah. Our son-in-law, Corey, is a German. He's the youngest of seven boys. They made beer in their bathtub. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they had the most wonderful family. And so they made beer in their bathtub. 
Corey grew up around it all of his life. Right. He has yeah. six brothers. Five of them are doctors. One's a pastor, and Corey runs a Christian foundation in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And there's not one of those boys who has a problem with alcohol. Right. None of his family, because it wasn't it right. Wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't it's forbidden. Not this, this forbidden it wasn't, thing. Yeah. Right. You know, speaking of Germans, I read a, a letter Martin Luther wrote to his wife from you know all those years ago, and and he was talking about his love for her and how he couldn't wait to get home. And he talked in this letter about how she brewed the best beer in the world. <laughs> He's tried it other places and nobody makes beer like you and I can't wait to get That's home and funny. have one. And so those, uh, well, I just, you know, I, I just love this subject because there are some people that you're not going to drink and that's great sure. you have a conviction about it some people just genetically or whatever they should never take a drink but for most people if you're drinking in moderation the bible never says you can't do that it's right. a god-made wine and there's also beer there's hard liquor and there's a lot of stuff but as long as you're doing it in moderation especially when it's harming your marriage it's wrong of course. Sure. Yeah. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not talking about the legalism and all that stuff, but I'm just saying if if you're not able to relate, if you're not able to engage sexually, if you're checked out over here, you know, in a recliner, passed out. Oh yeah. You gotta you gotta confront that. Absolutely. And but for most people who are healthy, you know, people, um, there's not any prohibition I can see in the Bible about drinking. Yeah. Man. That is just, this has been so healthy, Such a healthy, healthy conversation, and, yeah. And these conversations, I think in, in so many church settings, um, there's there's a fear of having this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us grew up in churches where it was never talked about this candidly. Yeah. It was just, we, we don't, this and sex. Mm-hmm. And so like, I love that, that <laughs> yeah. here at XO, we're, we're willing to have the conversations of what people are actually asking. And mm-hmm. Well, there's a little story about the difference between a Presbyterian and Episcopalian, and that is the Episcopalians talk to each other in the liquor store. <laughs> so I, I know, I know believers who are absolutely against drinking, and they take so many pills and so many drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll sit there and pop painkillers all day long. I'm totally against that. Yeah, I, I I take a thyroid pill when I get up in the morning, or maybe an allergy pill sometimes. I'm not going to sit there and put that nonsense into my body. That yeah. will destroy your body, those heavy drugs. Yeah. And if you need medicine, take it. But, but a lot of people medicate on drugs. And they'll say, don't you drink. <laughs> right. They're, yeah. they're on a buzz right there when they told you that. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. You're so right. Oh, yeah. oh man. This, this, this has been such a helpful conversation. I so cannot. I, I just. I, listen, for those of you who've been listening and watching this, um, anybody that you know where this, this has been a sticking point for them whether it's through the legalism aspect or uh, from you know overindulgence or just from not knowing how to talk about it or specifically the parenting aspect. I think so many parents could benefit from learning this approach because I know so many people yes. that that raise their kids in this kind of teetotaling environment that now those kids have grown up and, and abuse alcohol. Just like Jimmy said, that's just the, the pattern where it goes into instead teach your kids a healthy way. This is so helpful for us as our kids are getting to that mm-hmm. age where they're about to be of age to to start being able to, and right. um, this has just been good. been so, so healthy. And, so good. Uh, Jimmy, thank you. Thank you for Look, your ministry. And- you guys are you guys are fabulous. You're, you are making such a difference. We love you here at XO, and your ministry is just helping so, so many people. And we love you. We just, we just think you're, well, I, I know you're the next Jimmy and Karen. <laughs> no, no. No, there's, no, there's only one the Jimmy and Karen. Jimmy and no, no, Karen. That's no, no. You're, the you're the next Jimmy and Karen. I'm, I'm putting that on you right now. <laughs> Well, let, let me. I think we are honored. Let us say while we're like on, on the record here, like I, I truly outside of outside of our own parents and 
Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's there's been any family on earth that's impacted us in a positive way through through their example, love, leadership, and authenticity as as Jimmy Evans Good. and his entire family. Uh, Karen, so Brent, Stephanie, all of them. We love you guys. So thank you. Thank you for Before having me Before we go, I want to make sure that we mention the Tipping Point podcast because I think our listeners, if they're not already listening, would love to hear more about this. Well, it's endtimes.com is where they can sign up. Now, the, the Tipping Point podcast is a part of a much broader prophetic website. Mm-hmm. And it's $7 a month, $77 a year. And we have my, my podcast that comes out every week, plus we have articles and videos from Greg Laurie, Dr. Mark Hitchcock. I have all different guests from around the country on there with me. So we, we would love for people to be a part of that. Yeah. So check that out. Amazing. Uh, I think J- Jimmy is, is I believe, the, the best in the world in, in three separate categories in teaching. Teaching on end times, teaching on marriage, and also um, teaching on, on leadership within leadership, the church. Yeah. Yeah. Those three areas, I've, I've never heard anyone better. And so right. check out those resources. Jimmy, thank you. Thank you for thank your you example. So Good to be with you. Love you. Love you. Love you and thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.